0: Last night, the show I was on, I didn't even realize until I showed up in the building that the match was a hardcore, no DQ, street fight tag match. And they're like, yeah, you guys are all going to be fighting with weapons. And it was a very long (laughs) match with a commercial break in the middle. Because yeah. normally, you don't always have a, like a break spot, through So you're like, you have this much time before the break, then you have a break. So you have to keep fighting because yeah. there's obviously a live crowd. But don't do anything too exciting that television would miss. And then you have this much time after the break. And then you're going to have all these other people doing run-ins. So we need to know their cues so we can send them out to do their little bits in it. And it's just, it's, uh, it's chaos. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So fun, though. I mean, that's, I think, why I love it. That, like, adrenaline rush of, all right, we're going out there. Anything can happen now.
1: That was professional wrestler Sarah States, better known as Freya the Slayer. She says that she's always gone by Freya. That her wrestling character, or gimmick, started out as more of a Viking. And then it transitioned to an Arctic Amazonian woman. Tall, strong, and assertive. The Queen of the North. And it all started in Palmer, Alaska. She's from Fairbanks, so she would have to drive six hours to Palmer to do shows in places like train depots. The shows were small, like the Alaska wrestling scene at the time. And more often than not, they were performing in front of families. It was fun, an entertaining hobby, while Freya was also working as a middle school teacher. She loved teaching, but she encountered too many roadblocks in her work. Resources were always limited, and her empathic nature predisposed her to wanting to do more for her students. Years of this took its toll on her mental health, until one day, she decided to quit her job, sell her house, and move to the States. There, she threw her whole self into becoming a pro wrestler. She says that, more and more, she's becoming her character. That her full-time job is being Freya the Slayer. Even outside the ring, she's training, doing interviews, working on her merch store, making social media posts, she's on Cameo, and this personality swap, it's in her benefit. When she's in the ring, for example, and she's on live TV, where so much of the performance is improvisational, it's easier to react naturally to the violent soap opera happening all around her. That's what continues to draw her to pro wrestling. The physical... And emotional roller coaster of it all, and how it affects its audience. That when it's done successfully and powerfully, you can see it take people away from their everyday troubles and immerse them into this fantastical world of wrestling. So here she is, Freya the Slayer. Welcome to Chattermarks, a podcast of the Anchorage Museum.
0: Dedicated to exploring Alaska and the
1: Circumpolar North. Through the creative and critical thinking of ideas. Past, Past, present, and future. future. My name is Cody Liska, and I'll be your host. How close is your character to how you are in real life?
0: How close as my character to me in real life? I would say um, similar and dissimilar. Um, it kind of depends how I'm being booked. So, for example, at the company I work at, they will give you your storylines. And so sometimes it's like a combination of how I would act and then how I'm acting based on the direction I'm given.
1: Mm-hmm. And so at your current place that you work at, that, mm-hmm. that's OVW, right? Yes. Yeah. And your character there, and actually the character that I originally met you as is Freya the Slayer. Yes. Can you explain that character or that gimmick?
0: Yeah. So it I always describe it as like if the Amazonian women... Lived in the Arctic. Okay. So the queen of the north. Um, I normally am a lot bigger than everyone I wrestle. So there's like an element of that for sure. Um, more, More like the silent type. Like a lot of people come in and like run their mouth a lot. But more like calculated and like assertive, I suppose. Like physically asserting my dominance as opposed to verbally doing it if that makes any sense
1: yeah yeah kind of being a presence rather than um I don't know like you said running your mouth <laughs>
0: yeah exactly
1: <laughs> that's interesting because it seems like and, and my knowledge of pro wrestling is pretty limited but my knowledge of it is that there's a lot of like uh theatrics involved and there's a lot of talking and so For you to take on this character that's maybe this silent, strong type, Mm -hmm. that's so much different.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, sure, there is an element of having to talk, but I work with certain people who never stop talking. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so I guess you just want to put your own spin on things, right? If everyone was the same, the show would be very boring. And so... You do have to talk because I mean, a lot of the stories we do um, don't even happen in the ring, like we'll film vignettes, um, other places around town. And so you definitely have to talk. But I would say that's not the basis of my
1: character. Yeah. And how did you decide on your character?
0: I guess it was kind of a natural progression. It's like you have this idea, but when you're really new to wrestling, you really don't necessarily know what works. And so you kind of like try certain things and see what works and then eventually work toward this, you know, work toward being the most genuine version of yourself.
1: Mm -hmm. So you feel like Freya is closer to you.
0: I definitely do. And I think when you're wrestling, especially like when you're doing live television, there's just not a lot of time to think about what you're going to do because so much of it has to be improvisational. And so when it is more, you know, a offshoot of yourself, that's going to come across more naturally and be easier to come up with in the moment.
1: Yeah. And did you have any gimmicks before Freya?
0: No, I've always gone by Freya, but it's just been like, I guess I started out kind of more like a Viking and then it kind of made this transition to more like Arctic Amazon badass.
1: (laughs) That's so great. You know, what this is kind of reminding me of is I watch a lot of superhero movies Mm, and in superhero movies, you know, you have usually the first movie is like the origin story, you know, and... Let's say Spider-Man, for example, and his costume isn't there yet. His costume isn't, you know, what we recognize as Spider-Man. I wonder, what was the progression of your costume?
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's actually a very good point that I never thought of, but I definitely started out just kind of like piecemealing things together, right? Yeah. like just buying pre-made items that weren't even necessarily for wrestling because I was living in Alaska at the time and so your resources are a little more limited and then I started sewing my own which worked also pretty well for a while and then now I work with a whole bunch of gear makers where all they do is sew wrestling gear and so I, I have a custom bootmaker I work through and so now it's it's much different. Like, I, I know kind of the look I like. I know what style works. And you're right, though. I, I didn't think of that. It's it's a lot like Spider-Man in those movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, now you have your Tony Stark-designed costume.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> okay, so you're originally from Alaska. You're originally from Fairbanks, right? Yes. Is that where you got into wrestling?
0: Yeah, Um, I did. It was... Uh, well, yes and no, I suppose. Okay. I kind of got into it in Fairbanks, but there really wasn't wrestling there. Like the women's wrestling stuff we did was more theatrical wrestling as opposed to real professional wrestling. Um, and so I was going down to Palmer uh, actually because that was like the only place that was putting on actual wrestling shows. Hmm. Like, because wrestling is so odd in that you have to learn all of the move sets because you actually don't practice or anything before you go out there. You just know that the person you're getting in there with you is trained and knows how to do everything the same way as you. Yeah. And so I was going down to Palmer and training with, um, the guys there and then they were flying in people from California and different places to put on like seminars and stuff mm-hmm. to help us because the, at the time there was no professional wrestling school anywhere in Alaska.
1: Can you get more into that? You know, what did it look like wrestling in Palmer?
0: Yeah. Um, so it would it's uh they would call it more like backyard wrestling because normally if you don't have a school you're going through, it's a little more like underground, smaller venues. Um, but yeah, I would drive you know six hours to Palmer and we would do shows in like the train depot there. A lot of these were like family shows, but it was all very independent, like mm-hmm. very small scale. Um, but honestly, I think that really does help you performance wise, because if you can draw in an audience, a very, very small audience, that's actually much harder than working in front of a giant audience.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I feel like in those situations, it has a tendency to weed out the people that maybe aren't meant for it. So if... You know, you're in Palmer, you're learning how to professionally wrestle, and maybe the crowd is a little smaller, but maybe that doesn't matter as much as, you know, you learning the craft.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and then just also getting comfortable doing it. But yes, the small crowd, even now, it's always harder to wrestle for fewer people because you you really hear when what you're doing is not getting a good reaction because mm-hmm. the main thing in wrestling is you always want to connect with your audience you're taking them on an emotional journey right and it's a lot easier when you've got 400 people as opposed to 40
1: yeah so with that with kind of crowd work I guess is what you would call it mm-hmm. when you're in the ring and you're really trying to pump up the crowd. Are you looking toward any specific people, you know, to like really feed off of, you know, you can tell that they're really into it.
0: Yeah. So that's, that's actually the funny thing. That's different a little bit about what I do now. Um, so in general, yes. In general, in wrestling, you do want to normally find someone in the crowd. And if they're reacting to you, you can kind of like play with them. Mm-hmm. If you're the bad guy, maybe you taunt them a little extra. But <laughs> if you're, you know, if you're that character that is getting sympathy because they're getting beat up, but they're going to have this epic comeback a little later, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, sometimes will be like reaching out to them while you're getting beat up and like making <laughs> that eye contact.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: But the funny thing now is the wrestling that i do is all for television primarily
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so <laughs> you're always wrestling toward cameras okay. and so the cameras are not there's normally not crowd in front of the cameras the crowds behind you because now you're wrestling for an even bigger audience which is the television audience yeah. and so it's it feels funny once you go from non-televised wrestling because you're so used to doing everything to the crowd but if you're doing that your backs to the main cameras and so now you're doing all of that same stuff but toward the different roving cams and then hard camera setup instead of to the crowd
1: i wonder how long it took you to get used to that
0: oh that was hard
1: okay. that was very
0: hard <laughs> um And it's also just hard when you're wrestling, knowing which moves to do toward which camera to have them come across the best. And so I guess the way of rings normally set up, right? You've got a hard camera in front, like one stationary camera. And then normally on the two sides, there's roving cameras. Mm -hmm. And so certain moves are going to look good depending which way you do it. And so you wouldn't shoot someone off the ropes towards the hard camera because then the move would get your back to it. Yeah. And so little things like that while you're in the ring, you're also thinking of while you're doing all of this.
1: And is it just trial and error or are you being coached? Oh, being coached. So the okay. company I currently
0: okay. work for, um, it's run by Al Snow, who is in WWF, ACW. And so he'll do television review with us. After shows, every, every Wednesday, we watch the product with him and he'll critique your matches. Okay. Either your work or which way you're going. And then we also have agents who help you put together your match.
1: Okay. And when did you join OVW?
0: I've been here about two years.
1: And like you mentioned, or like we've been talking about, one of the unique things about OVW is these weekly live television shows you know i guess we kind of got into it a little bit with the cameras but i think there's an element of doing something live that's so different than doing something that's taped
0: yes big time um for example let's say the match before you goes over their time Mm -hmm. because we have an exact two-hour time slot If someone before you goes too long, right before you walk out, they might say, you've lost a minute. And so you had this great kind of, you know, basic idea put together, this framework for your match, but now... As you're going through the curtain, you're thinking about what you're going to cut to make your new time. Mm -hmm. Or you could go out and they're like, they went short. You have two extra minutes. And you're like, oh, damn. Okay. Well, (laughs) what are we going to add here? So you're trying to look like you're fighting someone and making it look authentic, but also trying to talk to them sometimes through the referee about what you're going to change. And then your time can also get changed while you're in the ring because our... The referees will have headsets on, so they're connected to everyone, you know, at the in gorilla, which is like where all the monitors are set up. Yeah. And so while you're wrestling, sometimes you'll get different feedback as well. Like they want you to do this, they want you to take it home now, or you've got a minute, or this, da da da. And so you're you're always kind of uh, have to be ready for anything.
1: Yeah, yeah. You got to be ready to pivot. You got to be yes. malleable.
0: Yes, exactly. But doing it in your exact time slot, because let's say that the finish of your match is really epic, but you can't follow your time. And now no one on TV sees it because it was during
1: the commercial break. Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. Oh, yeah. So interesting. I'm always so interested in live performances, you know, live broadcasts for the most part, because Mm -hmm. so much can happen, you know, that's just completely out of our control. Exactly.
0: Yeah, like for example, uh, last night, the show I was on, I didn't even realize until I showed up in the building that the match was a hardcore, no DQ, street fight tag match. And they are like, yeah, you guys are all going to be fighting with weapons. And it was a very (laughs) long match with a commercial break in the middle because yeah. normally you don't always have a, like a break spot through so you're like you have this much time before the break then you have a break so you have to keep fighting yeah because there's obviously a live crowd but don't do anything too exciting that television would miss and then you have this much time after the break and then you're gonna have all these other people doing run-ins so we need to know their cues so we can send them out to do their little bits in it and it's just it's uh it's chaos but yeah yeah <laughs> So fun, though. I mean, that's, I think, why I love it. That, like, adrenaline rush of, all right, we're going out there. Anything can happen now.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like you're able to pivot or be malleable in real life?
0: Yeah, I think so. And I do think that's part of maybe why I feel like I'm getting better at doing that in wrestling. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm on, like, career number five. And so... (laughs) I, I've just done a lot of things, and that definitely translates to wrestling.
1: If you don't mind, what other things have you done? What other careers?
0: Well, I um, used to do graphic design for uh, newspapers. Okay. And then I also did event planning and working with... Um, actually the city of Fairbanks doing like events and promotional stuff. And then I've also been a middle school teacher and like the list goes on and on, but those are, those are the major ones.
1: Yeah. Being a middle school teacher um, seems like a lot like pro wrestling.
0: (laughs) A little bit actually. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Definitely being able to pivot, being able to work on the fly as we call it, like where you don't, you might have a plan, but in an instant your plan changes. So you have to be able to flip the switch really quickly.
1: Yeah. And did you watch pro wrestling as a kid?
0: I did. Um, my, I would say my siblings, like my younger brother more so than me. I don't think I quite got it when I was young. Um, Like I would watch with them for a bit and be like, okay, yeah, this is all right. But I think if I would have more watched the stories and watched it consistently, I would have gotten more into it because I love it now. I love that like long-term storytelling through it.
1: That's so funny that you mentioned that because I feel the exact same way. You know, I think that I didn't get it when I was younger, when I was a kid. And since I've gotten older, I get it. And I'm a big fan of horror movies, like all types of horror movies. They can be really well-made or they could be on a shoestring budget. And I love them. Yeah. And and I think it's it's the familiar story that's involved in that. And I think that some of the, the campiness, I just absolutely love. And I think that that definitely translates to wrestling, to pro wrestling. And so, you know, I'm 35 now and I'm like, am I too old to, to like become a fan of it?
0: <laughs> no, definitely not. I think that's, I've heard a lot of people say that. Really? Um yeah it's it's funny i don't know uh when i first was wrestling i feel like when i told people yeah i'm a professional wrestler they're like oh you do that fake crap you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and so there was this like weird little stigma of it but i feel like nowadays when i tell people i do it they're like oh man i've just been getting back into wrestling that's so cool and so
1: that really does seem to be the trend totally yeah i think that it's it's a funny thing to say and it's also a funny thing to think, but I think maybe the the idea behind pro wrestling might have been just a little bit too smart for some people, including myself when I was younger. And then now I get it and I'm like, oh that's awesome.
0: Yeah. It's it really is like I'm um, alive soap opera but yeah then there's lots of there's lots of crazy nuances through it and all these different characters with different emotions and motivations and it's it's quite in depth if you're like an episodic television show or an episodic uh, company
1: totally yeah and I, I and what you just said about soap operas you know i i don't i don't watch specifically like hard hardcore, like, days of our lives soap operas, but I yeah. do watch every single iteration of Law and & Order. And I think that that's pretty soap opera
0: Definitely, that's true as well. And I think people love that. They love that drama, right? Yeah. When they're taking on a ride and then there's all sorts of, like, crazy surprises as things are happening. Yeah. I think it's that, like you said, that campy <laughs> drama that people really love.
1: Do you remember when, you know, as... You started to really kind of get pro wrestling mm-hmm. something that, uh, you know, maybe you saw on television, maybe you saw in some you know backyard wrestling that really like grabbed you, mm-hmm. and you were like, Okay, this is this is it, this is great.
0: Um, I think I always enjoyed watching it, and so I really used to like this show called Lucha Underground, okay, and it was in this crazy temple, and it was like the craziest stories where they're like someone's brothers brought back from the dead and now he's possessed with a medallion. And okay. so I've always loved like that really absurd over the top style. Yeah. But I think what really made me realize how well wrestling could be done, right? I'd already been wrestling for a few years, but I was watching it on television once just kind of casually. And I, um, It was WWE, actually, but I was watching and I was getting so caught up in the story, I could feel myself getting annoyed at the heel. The heel's the bad guy in wrestling. Okay. Like, as a person who knew it was fake, they still took me on that emotional roller coaster. And I think when you're really good at wrestling, that's what you can do. When you can kind of help people escape reality for a minute Mm -hmm. and completely immerse themselves into this you know into this wrestling world and then they can just forget about everything else going on in their lives they can just really feel part of it in a way that you don't feel when you're just like watching a movie or a television show
1: yeah and i think the buy-in the buy-in for me is so big with horror movies depending Mm -hmm. or regardless of the um you know the budget everything that goes into it, it could be done for a hundred thousand dollars or $10,000 or $3 million. But yeah, in those, those shoestring ones, it's the actors buy in. Like if they actually really are being that character and appear to really believe in the story that's being played out, then, you know, I'm sold. Yes,
0: exactly. And that's just it. Like, You really do want to try to connect in a way with people. And the Mm -hmm. people that are really good at wrestling, that's what they do.
1: Did you have a favorite wrestler in Lucha Underground?
0: Oh, gosh. Um, I had a bunch. And it's actually like wrestling is so cool in a way where... A lot of times, if you do it long enough, people that you are fans of, you get to work shows with. Okay. And so there was a wrestler I really loved called Son of Havoc, and then he ended up actually coming to Alaska, and I was on shows with them. His name's Matt Cross, but um, so I think I really liked him, and I really thought it was so cool that he got to come to Alaska. I got to wrestle with him, and and but yeah, no, I really really connected to him. Um, actually, a bunch. Evelese, I loved. Uh, Prince Puma. So the way they ran, um, wrestlers would not go by their regular names. They had like special characters for the show, like even more extreme, exaggerated. But
1: So back then, do you feel like you had a different understanding of what goes into being a pro wrestler than you do now?
0: Yes. I think um, I, at that time, I don't think I I realized everything that goes into it when it's televised. Okay. Live television wrestling, I only started doing when I came to OVW. Mm -hmm.
2: Um,
0: I had, well, I guess I had dabbled in it because I had done extra work for AEW, but I definitely was not as good at it. I remember getting a critique there like, hey, you did that really well, but if you would have turned your head 45 degrees and found a camera as you did it, it Mm -hmm. would have been perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I definitely did not realize all that goes into that until I got to OVW and then little things like even when you're cutting a promo in the ring, like certain times you'll, you should go to one camera, but then there's times where it's more important to find a roving camera depending. And then where you look at the camera, like don't look, actually look at the camera, look above the camera, like little stuff like that. There's lots of little, little nuances that I mean, I'm still learning, but now I definitely realize that there's so much that goes into it. Even, even beyond what I know.
1: Yeah. And in your experience, what kind of person is drawn to being a pro wrestler?
0: That's really interesting, actually, because um, so Al, our boss, actually talked about this. We just had this uh, docuseries come out on Netflix, mm-hmm. and he really addresses this, that a lot of times people get into wrestling because um, they might not necessarily have lot going for them in their lives and so a lot of times people will really just fully invest in wrestling because they love the ability to be this other character Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that is true for a lot of people that I know they they're really loving this wrestling lifestyle because of the ability to like transform yourself and kind of have control over your your character in a way you might not have control over your life yeah but I think for me, um I've just never been super content with a, a regular lifestyle, like nine to five lifestyle. Um, I really like all of the all of the different surprises and turns and everything that goes into being a wrestler. like I travel a lot, I do all these different shows, you know, and I really like the the unexpected aspects of it and that it's never it's never the same.
1: Do you ever get tired of all the traveling or are you the type of person who likes to be on the road?
0: Um, You definitely can get tired of it. I mean, after a while, you're feeling beat up. You really don't feel like driving anymore. Yeah. It's funny. Wrestlers, if we're booked not enough, like if you don't have enough people booking you, you're like, man, am I doing anything right? Does anyone like me? And then <laughs> if you're booked a lot, sometimes you'll be like on day four of having a show and you're like, oh my gosh, why did I do this to myself? (laughs) I feel like crap. And so it's funny. It's like a a Goldilocks. Never, never the perfect in between. But um, I mean, but I really do love traveling. But are there times that you're like, man, I could really just go for my bed right now.
1: So just a second ago, you said You know, am I doing anything right? Which reminds me so much of artists. You know, when I talk to artists or musicians or really anybody involved in any form of artistic expression, which I truly believe pro wrestling is, Mm -hmm. how do you get yourself out of that self-doubt?
0: It's tricky. I think, yeah. Well, one thing, you don't read the comments on YouTube. Avoid (laughs) that. (laughs) You know? um, Yeah. That is hard because, especially wrestling fans, I think, um, because it's a smaller fan base than like movies and stuff, they feel like a lot of ownership over wrestling. And so, in the comments, people like people have said the worst things that anyone has ever said about me in my life mm. in wrestling comments. Like they will just shit on everything you've ever done, how horrible you are. But you really can't go with that. You really, it's better to go with okay, when you're out there, are you getting a good reaction? Yeah. It's like you can tell if you're out in the ring and the crowd goes mild, you know what I mean? And nobody yeah. cares, but if you go out there and you're getting your name chanted and you're getting a good reaction on everything you've done, um, then it's like, okay, wait, no, I am doing a good job.
1: Yeah, totally, yeah. And I think that, um, you know, everybody's a critic. Ugh. Are you ever able to look at some of the, you know, your negative comments and just kind of laugh at them.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, it They affect me a lot less than they did when I was first starting out. Um, I had this really amazing opportunity, like two years into wrestling to wrestle at the NWA, um, one of the oldest companies in America. Yeah, And I was, let me tell you, not ready. But it okay. was like, well, you know, like, how often do you get this opportunity? I'm just going to for it. And then they had put it on YouTube, and I I just had known I didn't do very well. Okay. And I was really not looking forward to seeing it. And I remember talking to my mom and she's like, At least probably not that many people will see it, right? And I was <laughs> like, Mom, fifty thousand people have watched it today. And she's like, Oh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> and those comments were like she wrestles like shrek she uh looks like a man she does oh it was just like really really truly terrible like does she even know how to walk i blah blah blah. it was i mean awful awful things and i remember being like oh my god i I just should quit wrestling like why am i even doing this and then uh nowadays though i can look at them and be like oh my gosh you guys are just trolls you know what i mean yeah you just want you it's like Nowadays, I feel like on social media, sometimes in the comments, people are just trying to one-up each other with how horrendous they can be. And Mm -hmm. there's no truth to it. It's just, you know, sensationalist reactions.
1: Just people trying to be provocative. And like you said, one-up each other with the meanest comments possible. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is I wonder how often those people... um are like that in real life, you know, face to face with another human being.
0: See, that's a really good point, because I don't think normally they are, because a lot of times people that are making comments like that aren't even going by their real name on social media. You know what I mean? Like they're uh, they're not even hiding behind their keyboard. They're hiding behind a whole fake persona. Mm -hmm. And so that definitely makes me think that they are not like that.
1: On a happier note, your mom sounds great.
0: Oh, yeah. No. My family has been extremely supportive of me in wrestling, which is I'm really lucky for because I know a lot of people who when they told their families they were going to be professional wrestlers, they thought they should get looked at. Like my friend's mom was like, "Are you are you okay? Like do we do we need to take you to go get seen? Like get your head checked out?" Like really thought he was going nuts. Um but my family even when I was like, hey, so I'm going to quit my really good tenured salary job as a middle school teacher, and I'm going to sell my house and move to Las Vegas to go train with a crazy clown wrestler. They <laughs> they really didn't even blink an eye. So
1: that's amazing. You know. <laughs> so this, this clown wrestler, could you maybe talk a little bit about your time in Vegas?
0: Yeah. Um, so the... Trainer, the main trainer I was working under, his name is Sin Bodhi right now. He used to go by the name Kazarni at WWE. He um he works at Future Stars of Wrestling and he is just amazing in the ring. Like, but he is definitely he is a psycho clown. Like he's very <laughs> into that like carnival scene of people who do like bizarre theater kind of things. Yeah. So he does that and professional wrestling. But um that was definitely necessary for me in my wrestling career. Like I realized I was not gonna get where I wanted to be staying in Alaska. Like if you want to be really good at something, you have to learn from people who've done what you want to do. Mm -hmm, Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And everyone I was working with Alaska had not gone beyond Alaska. And I just had bigger goals for myself. So I was like, all right, you know what? I need to leave and go train with people who've done this on the platform that I would like to do one day. And it was hard, let me tell you. It was very, very difficult.
1: Yeah, talk a little bit more about that. You know, what kinds of things did you learn? What kind of experiences did you have there?
0: Well, wrestling's uh, also a little bit funny because... Even though we're all doing the same things, there's also flavors of ice cream where certain schools will like want you to learn things a certain way. Mm-hmm. But I had to relearn almost everything I had thought I knew. Like even just simple stuff like how to run the ropes. They're like, actually, your your footwork's funny. So you need to do this. You're, you need to grab the ropes different. You need to do all your strikes different. Like everything different. And so I was training five days a week, um, getting real beat up, but <laughs> learning so, so much. Yeah. And... And then there's just even learning, you're wrestling with different people who are better than you also. And so that's a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that was uh, definitely challenging, but I mean, I definitely wouldn't be where I am now without those experiences.
1: Do you feel like wrestling has ever gotten you out of a slump?
0: Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, that is, I mean, on one hand, that can be like a difficult aspect of wrestling, but that's also kind of the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. You could be having the worst day and you go out there and you have to just forget about all that because at the end, you know, people paid to come see the show. Mm -hmm. They don't really care if you had a horrible day and just got into a fight with your boyfriend or something like that doesn't matter to them. They came to see Freya the Slayer. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. when I go through the curtain, there's like a, a flip that switches. Like I can't even explain it. Like sometimes you just go into this mode where like I won't, I couldn't even tell you sometimes things that I've done in the ring. And people are like, oh, yeah, that was really good. And I'm like, wait, what did I do? Like, <laughs> yeah, I could not tell you. Or especially if I'm cutting a promo now. Like, they're like, man, that was devastating, that one line. And I'm like, I, I could not tell you a single thing I said. Yeah. Like, it's like this adrenaline rush. As soon as I walk through the curtain, I I am it. Like, I remember yesterday, me and my tag partner were about to walk out. She was quite nervous. And I was like man, this is a a very complicated match. Hope this all goes well. Like, you're sitting there kind of, like, nervous, waiting for your music to play. But then as soon as you go through, like, my nerves are completely gone.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because you're in it.
0: Yeah, and it's like, well, what's going to happen is going to happen. Worrying about it, you know what I mean? It's like, all right, go mode. And so I really – that's my – that's why I love wrestling, that walk-through-the-curtain feeling.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that, the -the walk-through-the-curtain feeling.
0: Yeah, there's, like, nothing – that beats that adrenaline rush of hearing people screaming for you, knowing that, you know, you might've had this great plan, but it might all completely go to shit and you're going to have to completely change things. You know, every, you know, half the things you're going to do are going to hurt really bad. And then, (laughs) but it's like all of this together, it's just like, well, let's, let's go make it happen.
1: What move do you think hurts the most?
0: Ooh, good question. Um, (laughs) So it's really funny in wrestling. A lot of times you'll call moves like like you'll suggest them for the match and it mm-hmm. will hurt you worse than the other person.
2: Okay. And so okay.
0: for a long time, I was doing this move, a leg drop, you know, like a Hulk Hogan leg drop. Yeah. But I would do it from the top rope. Okay. And I am not small. So jumping off the very top and landing in a seated position, um, was really destroying my spine. So I had to stop doing it. But that one that one definitely hurts. Not a fan of that. Um, what else hurts? Oh, I really don't like taking neck breakers. Any move where someone has my head and is using their body weight to pull me down, not a big fan of that. Cause you have to be <laughs> perfectly timed. You have to land at the exact same time for that to not hurt. Yeah. Otherwise your head's just kind of like jerked awkwardly. So I've never like taking neck breakers.
1: Yeah. You know, something I keep thinking about is how you went from like a traditional job, Mm -hmm. you know, to pro wrestling. And I wonder if there was a point where, you know, you're dabbling in wrestling, you're uh, working this stable job, and you get to a point where you're like, you know what, I'm going to throw my whole self into wrestling
0: yeah i mean i guess i was just realizing you can't wrestle forever like physically the body like some people can wrestle into their 60s there are certainly people doing it today but most people you have a finite time where you are physically able to wrestle Mm -hmm. you can always go back to being a teacher do you know what i mean so i was Mm -hmm. like you know what if i'm going to do it now's the time i've got to just throw all throw everything into this, if I'm Mm -hmm. going to, like, also, if I didn't fully commit and try, would I regret it? And later in life, be like, man, I wish I would have or what could have happened. And I was like, I'm never going to live having those kind of doubts. I'm just going to go do it.
1: Do you think that that mentality comes from your parents, maybe someone in your family, maybe a close friend? Because there are a lot of people out there who will look at a situation like that, you know, having regrets in the future and really not take heed to it. You know, they choose the safe route.
0: You know, I don't know. Maybe it is my family. Um, I know my dad has done a lot of different things in life. Like he's always owned businesses, but he's owned multiple businesses. Like he'll change on a dime. Okay. And... My mom always used to joke, like they're not together, but she always used to joke if my dad told her he was gonna start selling rocks, that she'd be like, oh yeah, you'll probably be quite good at that.
1: Um, (laughs) Really, okay.
0: Yeah, but he's just like always been able to switch on a dime. And do all these different things like, oh, I'm going to own a recording studio. Yeah. Oh, actually, now I'm going to do advertising. No, now I'm going to sell vintage electronic equipment in to people in Japan. You know what I mean? Just like different, very random things. Yeah. And so I never really thought about that. But I'm, I think you're absolutely right. I bet that was like, oh, no, that's not that crazy to switch your career completely and do something different.
1: Yeah. I mean, and even what your dad does or, or did sounds a lot like being a good salesman and and i feel like there is crossover there with pro wrestling you know because you are selling your brand
0: yes and i am my brand and so you're right even though i do primarily work for ovw We do television mostly on Thursdays. And so if I want to get booked other places, you have to put yourself out there. Like You have to be on social media. Mm -hmm. You have to have people know who you were. And I knew, especially coming from Alaska, coming from such a small wrestling scene, I was like, all right, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to have to double down on my brand because no one's going to know who I am. And so like, I just knew I had to really, really put myself out there to be known. And so you're mm-hmm. right. I am always selling myself, especially if I'm emailing or reaching out to companies trying to work with them. Right. You're trying to sell them on yourself. Like mm-hmm. this is why I'm a good addition to your show.
1: Yeah. And are you good at separating Freya from Sarah?
0: So it's kind of crazy now. Um, I can go months now without being called Sarah and okay. so. okay. And especially, like, in wrestling, because some fans can be a little inappropriate. Sometimes I start, like, I've recently started introducing myself as Freya. Because so many people here already know me because of wrestling. Like, I, people I work with won't even know my real name. I don't know the real names of most of the people I work with. <laughs> and so I'm I do more Freya things than Sarah things on a weekly basis. Like, my yeah. day is mostly doing things to be Freya.
1: Can you give me an example of a Freya thing versus a Sarah thing?
0: Yeah, so like um like after we're done I'm gonna go to training. You know, we're gonna go train to work on stuff for our show, right? So wrestling training or other podcast or I'm also on cameo, so I spend a lot of time doing that. Mm-hmm. And then I have to go work on my merch store and, you know, constantly putting out social media content. And so everything like that, like my full-time job is being free of the Slayer, even when it doesn't come down to the actual wrestling, like between the merchandising and the gear and, you know, all of the side hustles that are related to it, I definitely, that's, that's what my day normally looks like.
1: Which is very entrepreneurial. And
0: I think that's one of the things I really like about wrestling as opposed to having um, a traditional job is my success is in my own hands. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, there's certain things and people that can help you and opportunities, but but more so it's on me. It's on me to do all those things. And if I fail, it would be my fault but if i'm successful it's my fault you know and so mm-hmm. i really like having ownership of my life in that way
1: do you have a an amount of success that you're ready for an amount of success that you're comfortable with
0: you know that's really hard to say um i i i thought i would be very good at wrestling but i was also I had very small goals, like at the longer I wrestled, the different my goals look, mm,
2: okay. right.
0: Um, and so like I remember I was very content to wrestle for a major television company once. You know what I mean? Like going mm-hmm. as an extra once. I was very happy just to do that. And then it was like, no, now I want to do this. And so now, um, now it's, I think I want to be able to use wrestling like to obviously be successful right now and you know you also need to make a living but also if i could do that in a way where i could also provide for my future Mm -hmm. right because like i was saying i can't wrestle forever but can i do enough right now to set myself up in some way where i can still be sustaining after i can no longer wrestle and so i guess that's what i'm looking at now and I guess we were talking about being adaptable and up for anything, but like mm-hmm. like I really didn't expect us to get a Netflix show. Like that was a huge shock. And so that was even like I was quite nervous before that came out just because um, we had filmed it a year before it came out. And I remember when it was coming out, I was like, wow, actually a lot, a lot, a lot of people are going to see me in a yeah. way that I never really, like I really didn't process how different that would make my life until it actually happened
1: and how did it make your life different are you getting more work
0: yes definitely more work okay um more bookings and and really just recognized far more mm-hmm. you know like even in louisville i would maybe get recognized maybe every other week now it's multiple times a day mm-hmm. and so that that's even just different like you can't go to the grocery store it's not like not like anyone's following me but people are like oh hey I watched you on that show and you're like oh yep but you know it's like now it's a a very regular occurrence
1: yeah and earlier you were talking about setting yourself up for success you know because in your mind you can't wrestle forever you know bodies Mm -hmm. deteriorate things like that What does it look like in your mind to set yourself up for future success?
0: See, I guess that's the part I don't know yet. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of open and ready for whatever additional opportunities might come from wrestling, Mm -hmm. like maybe working backstage at a major company or something like that. Like, I really don't know. I just know that I've got to be ready for the opportunity when it does come.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you see yourself being able to wrestle into your 60s?
0: Oh, I I don't know. I really hope so. There were um gosh, there were these women in WWE who wrestled into their 70s. Okay. And it was amazing. And there's actually people in AEW right now um well, yeah and including my boss actually people always talk they look at him and they're like oh my gosh he looks amazing like my mm-hmm. boss is 16 he still gets out there and wrestles and so I really hope I can I mean I really do love wrestling but at the same time I think a thing that people also struggle with is as you get older you can't do all the same things you used to be able to do
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so yes I want to wrestle for a long time but also I hope I'll be okay with being able to change how I wrestle as I
1: age. Yeah. Do you think you'll eventually go back to teaching?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I okay. actually don't. I really loved teaching, but it, it was uh, emotionally difficult. I, I felt very invested in all of the students' lives that I was working with. And so I, would, I it was difficult for me to not take that home
1: hmm. You know, I, I know you can't give any names. I wouldn't expect you to give any names of kids. But maybe if you can come up with like a, just a general situation that you would become emotionally invested in.
0: Um, I just remember like working with students who were in foster care and knowing that their foster families were not treating them well. And there's just not a lot you can do. Do you know what I mean? You can talk Mm -hmm. to their caseworkers, but but really you you can't do much beyond that. And so things like that where you're like, man, this person is not in a very good situation. Yeah. When you're sitting at home eating dinner and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Being comfortable and relaxed in your house. And then this kid pops up in your head and you're like, I hope they're eating today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those kind of feelings. Um. Really, really took a toll on me.
1: You know, there's a few ways I think that people go about that. You know, I also work with youth and there have been a few, a few kids over the years where, you know, they do pop up in my mind and I'm thinking, man, I, you know, I really hope they're doing okay right now. And I feel like, Some, some people feel that more than others, you know, some people, it sounds like maybe you're one of them that are more empathic when it comes Mm -hmm. to that, you know, you're really absorbing uh, all of that emotion, sadness, fear, all of that. And it sounds like you came to the conscious decision to separate yourself from it rather than, you know, I'm going to, you know, take this into overdrive and kind of be this, uh, this avenger of a teacher, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, I think, I think I was good at what I was doing, but I just felt the last few years I was teaching, it was difficult to carry out all of the educational expectations that were put on me Mm -hmm. and the therapeutic expectations. Do you know what I mean? There's just not enough hours in the day. And I felt like the system really wasn't set up. For the students to be successful if you're expecting me to teach all this stuff but also you know emotionally be there for people because no one else is there Mm -hmm. and you know what i mean the school system doesn't have other people there who can do that i just really didn't think it was benefiting me or them
1: do you think moving into wrestling allowed you to feel more in control
0: um yeah yeah, I definitely think so. I think that's kind of what I was saying earlier, right? Like, now a lot of my life is in my own hands. Like, obviously mm-hmm. I work for mm-hmm. a company where I get told, like, what my role is for the day. But, like, my boss always tells us, like, he tells us what to do. But once you're out there, once you're through the curtain, you know, we have to do it. It's on you to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. So, like, in wrestling, they'll they'll give you the business, like, the the basic thing that they want to get out of the match but how you do that is on you
1: you know you've spent time at a lot of wrestling organizations you know some of Mm -hmm. the ones that i found online were coastal championship wrestling in florida wrestle pro in alaska Mm -hmm. and pro wrestling express in pennsylvania is it normal in pro wrestling to move around so much yes okay
0: yeah no um Yes, you definitely travel a lot. Like I, I have a couple companies that I work for regularly, but even those are not all um, in this area. Um, No, we, we travel a lot. Like next month, I was looking at my calendar for November. And I was like, wow, I'm gonna have a hectic one. Like next <laughs> month, I will be I we have a couple big shows in Kentucky, then I'll wrestle in Hawaii, then I'll wrestle in Las Vegas, then I'll wrestle in New Jersey, then I'm back in Kentucky, and then I'm in North Carolina. Okay. And so it's just, it's going to be a lot of flights, a lot of, lot of miles on the road.
1: Is there a a state or a city that is really all about wrestling, you know, that among wrestlers like yourself, you're like... Oh, I'm, I'm going to this state or I'm going to this city and it's going to be, it's going to go off. I
0: think it's less the city and more the promotion.
1: Okay. Like there are okay. definitely
0: certain promotions people want to work for because they have great fans, great name value, um, good production, you know, like great advertising, but not necessarily cities. Okay. Um, there historically were like major wrestling cities they used to call it like the territories and there definitely were like the big cities that they would wrestle in Mm -hmm. but nowadays even companies will hold events in different cities like you just brought up um coastal championship wrestling Mm -hmm. like i've wrestled for that company in orlando miami um nashville L.A., you know, and their fans follow them all those places because of the amazing job that company does. So you always want to get in with a company that does that, that has an amazing fan base that promotes their shows really well and tells good stories. And I think that's much more important than the city itself.
1: So the storylines in pro wrestling are such a big part of the show do you prefer your story for a given season to be told throughout an entire season or do you like individual you know disparate stories based on your current match
0: oh no 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 i like long-term storytelling much much more okay um i recently ended an 18 month long storyline
1: really okay
0: and it was even it was going so long everyone was kind of like is this going anywhere or is this just going <laughs> to fall flat and then okay. the crescendo when it ended was so good and yeah. the funny thing so it was the story i had pitched to my boss and he kind of put his own spin on it i was a a heel i was the bad guy at the time and i was watching all of these male characters um have all these like Women who would help them and they'd kind of be like their lackeys and they would treat them really really bad and that got them a lot of heat okay. Heat in wrestling is like when you can make the crowd just like you Okay, when you have heat you're doing your job. You are so hated that you're making whoever you're working with you're making whoever these good characters are be Even more liked right? <laughs> yeah like You work you walk out there and you are getting booed out the building Like I remember <laughs> when I couldn't walk to my car without kids following me and yelling at me right <laughs> And so I pitched it. I was like, Al, I really think I could do that. Like, I feel like I should be terrible to some poor man. And I think that would get me a lot of heat. And then some girls could come in and save him or something. That mm-hmm. was kind of like the basic story I, I pitched to him. And he put a whole spin on it where he had... Um, he had me make some poor referee fall in love with me and I manipulated him to win a title belt. And then it turned out I accidentally fell in love with him. But then <laughs> all it, it was just this very long, long, long story that ended yeah. with us having a wrestling wedding where it turned out he was actually cheating on me and then I <laughs> slammed him through our wedding cake. Like,
1: Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and
0: that was, so the funniest thing about that storyline is I didn't wrestle a lot. Okay. I mean, I was wrestling a lot for other companies, but for that story, I did a lot more vignettes. Like we would film dates different places. Like we would we filmed in hotels and bowling alleys and restaurants yeah. and in parks and we had to film engagement photo shoots and all of these things. Yeah. Right? But I had never had fans so connected to what I was doing. And it was crazy because it wasn't wrestling. And that eventually that story is what turned me into a face, into, you know, a good character because people could relate to it on such a personal level. And I think that was really cool to see. Um, You know, when we're in a wrestling ring, most people don't know what it feels like to be body slammed, right? (laughs) You can... You can imagine it. You can think, ooh, ah, like you hear it, right? Like last night, some girl smacks me over the back with uh, a trash can lid, like right next to some fans. And I hear them go, ah, right? Huge reaction. But they don't know what that feels like, right? They're imagining it. But in that story, that was such a like real life story. Like people know what it feels like to be manipulated and lied to and have someone you cared about let you down. Do you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I think people connected to that on such a personal level that it really did really help with my fan base because you know what I mean? People were like, Oh, I might not connect to her doing a choke slam, but I can connect to having someone you loved treat you like crap.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Is there a storyline that you've always wanted to do, wanted to play out?
0: Ooh, that, you know, that was really the one. I really okay. wanted that to play out. I don't I haven't thought of another storyline yet. Um, right now, I'm in a tag team with my cousin from Hawaii. And so I'm we're kind of like thinking where that storyline's gonna go. So I don't know. It's um, you could we can always pitch storylines to our boss, but then also sometimes you're just given your creative. I don't I don't know if there's a story that I haven't done that I'd like to. I mean all of them, if I'm honest.
1: Yeah. Do you have an idea book or a journal where you write these things down? You know, you keep track of your ideas.
0: Oh yeah, the notes in my phone are sprawling. Really? Yeah, no, especially even like promo stuff, like, I'll be lying in bed and think of a really good line. And I'm like, Oh, ooh, yeah, that's good. Save that. You know, and so definitely, I definitely think of things, or even like wrestling moves, like, yeah. or even Oh, maybe this combination would look good. Or Oh, that would be a really good story for the match, even. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely something that I keep track of.
1: Would you mind reading one of those lines or wrestling moves out of your notes in your phone?
0: Yeah, let me look. Let's see here. Where's my promo ideas? Those will be easier to find. Yeah, it's just funny because, like I said, sometimes we will get asked to do a promo, um... You'll ask to do a promo and you won't know. Like, if you do maybe go short on your time or if they have, like, a minute to fill, sometimes the referee will say, go grab a microphone. And you're like, oh, <laughs> okay, all yeah. right. Um, let's see here. Uh, mm, here's one. I was like, okay. So a lot of times I'll just come up with, like, basic little ideas and then little snippets. And then when I'm out in the ring, I'll have something I can go off of, Right. Okay. Like people have gotten an icy grave for less, right? Yeah. And like different little lines, like just like in chess, the queen's the most powerful piece in the game and I'm the most powerful person in the ring. You know what I mean? Little things like that I'll come up with. And then even if I don't use that exact line, sometimes it's enough of like a starting point. Okay. I have something I could go talk about.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. That's, you know, coming up with one liners.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you always normally you need to end your promo with something, right? A good, strong closing line. So a lot of times I'll come up with little stuff like that, too. Right. Like my blood doesn't run cold or the yeah. Slayer never sleeps or something like that. Right. Yeah, that's good. Little things where I'm like, OK, let me let me keep all these just in my back pocket in case I ever need them. Yeah. And I actually, I steal a lot from like movies and music too. Like if I hear some really good trash talk, I'm like, oh, that's really good. Oh, I bet I could <laughs> take that and just put a spin on it and yeah. make it my own. Hmm. Yep. Writing that down. And so.
1: <laughs> what do you think was the, it could be the last movie that you watched that kind of gave you some inspiration or maybe a movie that you go back to?
0: Um, I don't think a specific one. It's like, for me, it's such a common thing where I get little ideas like that all the time. Actually, the most recent thing that I was stole a line from was a UFC press conference. Okay. And I just remember watching it and I was like, oh, ooh, here's ideas. Yep. Yep. Okay. You know, yeah. Yeah, like, I'll accept your challenge, but you need to accept your fate. Little stuff like, I remember <laughs> hearing someone say a version of that in a press conference, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's really good. Keeping that one.
1: Yeah, they sound like um, things that a villain in a 90s action movie would say.
0: Definitely. Like, when you're cutting a promo, you're always told, like, you can't just be one note the whole time. If you just scream the whole time that's not very exciting, right? You need to kind of have some nuance to it, some ups and downs. And so if you're like talking really carefully, and then all of a sudden you come out with your big fire line, right? Mm -hmm. You need, that's like a a big part of it. Taking them on a roller coaster, even in a
1: 30 second promo. Has Alaska ever figured into any of your stories?
0: Um, It does right now, like with my tag team, because we're fire and ice, like Alaska-Hawaii connection, which it, it's even connected to my wedding. It okay. was, The whole story there is like um, that she, she was regretful that she couldn't come help me after my wedding. She missed the wedding, missed her flight, right? Yeah. And now is here because I'm dealing with this group of women who have been trying to torment me. Like, they threw cake on my face and in the ring. And then I had to have went and found them in a bar and we filmed vignettes of me throwing drinks in their faces. Right. But yeah. they they still had the numbers. There was three of them and one of me. And so now <laughs> my cousin has come in with this Alaska-Hawaii connection to help us even the odds a little more.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So you've won the OVW Women's Championship twice. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. what goes into that? You know, how much of it is scripted? How much of it is based on your talent? Or is it a combination of both of those? Or is it something totally different? Something else?
0: Um, so that the championships in wrestling are a prop. They're a prop to further the story. But at the same time, if you're the person carrying a title, you have a lot of responsibility on your back, right? That's the bosses are saying that we think you are good enough to be a main figurehead for the company, right? When you hold Mm -hmm. the title, you know, you're going to be on television. You know, you're going to have to cut promos, right? Can you handle all of that and represent the company in a good way? Can Mm -hmm. you go out there and be the face of the company? Can you go make us money? And so it's, It's competitive in that everybody wants that role. Everyone wants to be, you know, quote unquote, the guy Mm -hmm. that, you know, that everyone knows can go get the job done. And so when you have the title, that expectation is on you that you can go, go perform.
1: So IO Sky is the current OVW Women's Champion. Do you have any plans of reclaiming your title?
0: No. uh, So the person you're talking about wrestles at WWE. Our current champion's name is Tiffany Nieves.
1: Okay, okay. So I, I, I found some wrong information.
0: Yes, but that's totally okay. And yes, definitely, definitely, it is in my to-do list to regain that title. I own, I have a couple um, titles um, from championships from other companies, mm-hmm. but you know, you always want to be a belt collector and have them all. Yeah. And so definitely that's that's on all of our list. But you're always competing right to be in the standing to get a title shot because everyone just doesn't get one.
1: And one of the other titles that you have is with Squared Circle Expo Women's Championship, right?
0: Mm hmm. Yes.
1: What did that match look like? You know, the one that you got that title from.
0: So, that was at a big wrestling um, expo. So, kind of like a Comic-Con, but for wrestling. Okay. And so, that was actually an incredibly fun event. But that was not even just a standard event. That was a a nine-women match. Okay. So, nine women in the ring at once. That was uh, in Indianapolis. And so, when you're wrestling... That many people that adds a whole nother aspect to things, right? Yeah. There's, I mean, it's a little chaotic, but also, um, challenging, right? Yeah. To to work with that many people, and so that was that was definitely, and it was a long match. I think we went over twenty minutes, and so, um, that was definitely a hard hitting one too, because a lot of the women in that match are signed to. Major companies. And so you're working with, you know, top names. There's a lot of you. You're wrestling for a long time. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely one that I I earned.
1: And how often, I guess, do you get bloody? You know, you mentioned that Netflix series, Wrestlers. My wife and I recently watched that. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain match where the intent is to get as bloody as possible.
0: Yes, um, that was a hardcore match, and so you're right, that really is the expectation for that style of wrestling, you go out there and bleed. I have actually never done a match like that. I've done weapons matches, but never, like, thumbtacks, light tubes, they'll do, like, skewers, like, all sorts of things that, you're right, make you bleed, that is the goal.
1: Yeah, it's gnarly.
0: Yes, it really is, but, um... I would like to do one of those one day, but, uh, there's some people who that's the only kind of wrestling they do. And I do not (laughs) think that is for me.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, that's pretty wild. I mean, to, uh, be in that much pain, do you have any intention? Do you have any, um, you know what, I guess you, you just answered that, but when you do one of those matches, I would imagine that you have to really trust your opponent,
0: Definitely. Um, definitely, definitely. I, I have a couple friends who do those kind of matches regularly and Mm -hmm. I've told them that I would do that with them. Okay. Right. Like, oh, I would work you in a match like that Would I work everybody in a match like that. No way. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I would only do that with very few certain select people.
1: And are there any weapons that you wouldn't do? Um, I don't think I would do light tubes.
2: okay.
0: They explode and you get little shards of glass in your hands. Not nah, eh. I would do that before I would do a pizza cutter. People sometimes just pizza roll each other across the top of the forehead. I think oh my I'm gosh, nuts. <laughs> I'm not for that. Mm. You know what? I would do light tubes also before I would do shark teeth. People will like glue them to a bat and then hit each other with them. Oh but shark teeth are ribbed, so they like catch your skin and rip it. Yeah. I, I'm really not for that. I would do like a bat covered in thumbtacks. That'd be okay. But but not shark teeth.
1: Do you have a person or a favorite person to fight against at OVW or maybe just in general?
0: Um. Yeah. I think like last night I wrestled. Layla Gray and Jada Stone, and I've wrestled the two of them so much. Like, it was quite easy to put the match together. I think all of us have a lot of chemistry because while Layla and I kind of traded back and forth the title for a while, so we wrestled while Netflix was filming, we wrestled probably 40 times that summer. Okay. Um, And so it is nice to work someone where you do have really good chemistry with them. Um, I think one of my other favorite people to wrestles, the, one of the people that I would do a death match with, which is, her name's Lilith Grimm, really good friend of mine from Colorado. We, the very first time we met, I had flown her to Alaska cause I wanted her to wrestle me at just this like random show I was putting on at the Willowa mm-hmm. and I was like having a really bad day and I was like, Hey, do you care if we just like make this a weapons match? And she's like, yeah, sure course let's go for it (laughs) you know and that was the first time we met and then it like went really really well had a really great match and we've been like very very close ever since we everyone jokes in wrestling you you hit your friends harder
1: (laughs) so i read on the ovw website that you were involved in the men's nightmare rumble Yes, what was the significance of that
0: well that was the first time at ovw that a woman had ever been in the men's rumble. So that was really cool. Other okay. companies have done that, but I was the first woman to, um, because I am so tall, you know, I it was more believable, I think, you know, to have me in there with the guys. Mm-hmm. And so that was really cool. And it was just a shock to the crowd because, you know, they know some companies will do intergender wrestling and I've done quite a bit of it. But um OVW does not our our boss does not like it. And so the fact that he put me in there to do that was pretty cool. And the reaction from the fans was amazing that day.
1: Mm-hmm. Something I've been thinking about, you know, since earlier when we were talking about you making this jump from being a middle school teacher to being a pro wrestler is, you know, the position that you're in now I think also helps kids, you know, also gives them an outlet. And I wonder what you think about that.
0: I think that's true. Um, It's definitely like, like I, that's one of the reasons now I've actually really enjoyed being a face is being able to be more inspirational to kids. Mm-hmm. Like, you really can go out there and doing anything. You know what I mean? And being a good role model in that way, I think, is really cool. Like, like I got to meet some fans last night who had made signs for me and my tag partner, and they made Afraid of the Slay fan club. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's, like, so cool. You know what I mean? Where not only do people... <laughs> Like watching you wrestle, and they're fans of you. They they also feel so inspired by you that they, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Go out of their way to watch you and support you. And then their parents are telling, like, "Oh man, you're just." They think you're so cool, and they just want to be as cool as you. And they really wish that they had the confidence to go do that. And then you get to talk to them and be like, "You could go do that." Like I didn't always have the confidence to do that, you know. And I really do love that aspect of wrestling.
1: Yeah. So where do you go now? You know, where do you go from where you are right now? Do you have aspirations of making it to something like the WWE? Or are you happy with the routine you've carved out for yourself?
0: It's it's honestly a little hard to say. I'm not sure because um, I need to see what happens with our Netflix show. Like, do we get a season two? We mm, okay. are going to be going on a huge tour with OVW next um, next year, starting in 2024, just because of the show, because um, a bunch of different cities have reached out and want us to travel to them. So we'll be traveling all over the United States with that. And so I really do love working for OVW, and so it's kind of like, okay, let's see where where this goes. So right now, I'm dedicated to what we're doing, but like I've said, you always have to be open to something changing. Mm-hmm. But right now, I'm I'm very happy where I'm at.
1: Well, Freya, those are all the questions I have for you. I want to let you know this has been a blast. Um, I'm a fan of you. I'm a fan of OVW. I'm a fan of wrestling now at 35 years old, you know? (laughs) Which is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to add?
0: No. uh, It's been really great talking to you. It's really cool to hear um, that it wasn't just... Um, something I was thinking about that man it really does seem like people can get into wrestling later in life and become Mm -hmm. fans and so that's uh, you know the thing it's amazing when the thing that you love doing other people love as well you know like it's not just a hobby when people love your work you know like that's really cool yeah very blessed for that
1: For more information about the Anchorage Museum, visit AnchorageMuseum.org. This podcast was produced by me, Cody Liska, for the Anchorage Museum, with additional help from Julie Decker. Chattermarks music is produced by Keys Open Doors.